0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wizard Apprentice Podcast. I'm your host, Seth, and welcome to today's episode of Monster Manager, where we do deep dives into lore, combat, and stats of your favorite monsters from Dungeons & Dragons. Question of the day, how do I incorporate chromatic dragons into my campaign? Green, red, and white chromatic dragons specifically. But first, let me tell you about what you're listening to. The Wizard Apprentice Podcast is designed for players and DMs alike to get short informational, and purposeful talks to help make D&D more enjoyable and smooth. With talks from world building, character creation, practical guides on monsters, and much more, we are dedicated to improving your game. So again, the question of the day is how do I incorporate chromatic dragons into my campaign, specifically green, red, and white chromatic dragons? This was our first episode. The first episode on the Wizard Apprentice podcast was a monster manager episode where we did black dragons and blue chromatic dragons. If you want to check that out, um, it is the first episode. You just scroll all the way down and it's right there. Um, But the rest of these dragons are equally as cool as the black and blue chromatic dragons. So what we're going to do, we're going to lay out some ground rules about chromatic dragons, what they're all about. And then we're going to go into specifics on each of the three dragons, the The green, the red, and the white dragons. We're going to break down what separates them from other dragons. We'll talk about their stat blocks and so on and so forth. And I'm super excited. Dragons, it's in the name, right? (laughs) So they're a really cool creature and they're awesome. So let's go ahead and let's dive on in to what all dragons are all about. So these are six things that all dragons have in common. Um, These are the same ones from the first episode. Um, so I'm just kind of be repeating, just kind of making sure that we're all on the same page before we get into the specifics. Number one, dragons are all driven by greed and they all seek treasure. They all seek different types of treasure. For example, um, a, uh, like a black dragon seeks, uh, artifacts, ancient artifacts while a blue dragon, uh, they necessarily, they seek gems. They, they love their gems and stuff. So each dragon seeks a different type of treasure, but they all want it. They all want specific types of treasure. Um, number two, dragons are all egotistical, and they believe in an innate right to rule. They are the opposite of humility. <laughs> Trying to ask a dragon to um, to like be humble is asking the wind to stop blowing. So it's not going to happen. They are incredibly arrogant, and they believe that they are the cream of the crop in every aspect. They all have dangerous layers, and the region is impacted by the presence of a dragon. So, as a dragon grows in age and they grow in size, um, they can kind of begin to alter the region that they find themselves in. Right. So, for example, a fire or a red um, dragon—they're all about fire. So, when they're born, they don't really have much of an impact, but as an adult, they have a ton of impact. Where maybe. Maybe the land in the region is just warmer and drier and it feels like things burn to a crisp really quickly and stuff like that versus a white dragon, which is all about the cold where everything feels like it's colder and fire can't really get going and stuff like that. So the more powerful they become, the more of an effect they have on their lair and the region that their lair is um, kind of surrounding. that being said is that they become more powerful with age the day before a dragon dies of age is the most powerful version of that dragon simply because of the innate magic that comes with dragons is that they grow more powerful as they get older right so um, our favorite dragons uh, the most powerful of them the ancient dragons the reason that they're the most powerful is simply because they're the oldest Um, and the day before they die that is going to be the strongest that dragon will ever be. Um, they all have a tie to the god, the goddess known as Timat. She is the evil goddess of chromatic dragons. Uh, she's actually trapped on the first layer, Avernus, of the Nine Hells. Um, and she's kind of trapped there. But th- uh, she has a tie to the five types of chromatic dragons. Uh, black, blue, green, red, and white. Um, she has five heads, each of the heads representing one of those um, chromatic dragons. So she has five heads, five different colors. And she's able to lend her power to dragons. Um, she doesn't necessarily like to share. <laughs> we know that dragons don't like to share really ever. Um, but she loves to uh, she loves to be the goddess of these dragons. Um, and so she might be willing to, to share her power with them and will give them spell casting and stuff. Just like a cleric, when we, when a cleric believes in a God and they get some of the powers that their God vests in them, Timot could do the same thing with regular dragons. That being said, if a dragon does have spell casting and you do give them some spell casting, their highest mental stat is charisma for all of them, with the exception of the green dragon. So if you are going to give them spellcasting, their highest stat and the one they're going to use is their charisma with the exception of the green dragon, which is the one we're going to be talking about first. Let's go into it. The green dragon. Oh boy, this one is an absolute doozy. The green dragon is the most cunning and treacherous of all true dragons. They use misdirection and trickery to subdue their foes and they are ill-tempered and evil in all aspects. And They especially love corrupting the good and kind hearted. So these are not, (laughs) all these dragons are not good, not good creatures. They're evil creatures, but uh, a green dragon is especially evil in the sense that it likes to corrupt. It likes to um, bring people to the dark side. If I, if I do say myself. So along with that, they demonstrate an aggression, not out of necessarily a territorial aggression, but more of a longing for power. And they'll do, whatever, they'll do whatever it takes to get what they want with the least amount of work possible. Um, they reside in ancient forests, blending into their environment due to their green scales. Uh, as they're born, they're born with near black scales and they brighten in color as they grow older. Uh, that helps them, again, blend into their environment. Their jaws are jagged and curved and they have a crest that starts at their skull and rolls down their spine. They have abnormally long legs and a long neck allowing them to pass over shrubbery uh, without trouble. And that allows their head to peer above the canopy without them needing to rear backwards. Um, Dragons are are so cool. (laughs) As I describe it, I'm getting this visual in my head of what this thing looks like. Um, You can find green dragons on the page 93 of the monster manual. Uh, That is the first uh, picture of a dragon. They are dope. They are super dope. Um, Let's keep on talking about them. Uh, they eat a lot of animals. They eat a lot of larger animals. There is an absence of deer and larger game um, in the region of a um, green dragon because they're usually just eaten. <laughs> so deer, bears, stuff like that, all going to be eaten by this dragon. Um, They are willing to eat gr- like shrubbery and fruits and stuff like that if they're hungry enough. But they prefer meat, and they have a favorite. They have a favorite kind of meat, which is elves. They love to eat elves, dude. Elves, get a hold of yourself, guys. <laughs> There's there is so many creatures that just hate elves: orcs, hobgoblins, dwarves, dragons. I don't, dude. You guys gotta. I don't know what you guys are doing, but you guys are getting your guys' self in a hole. <laughs> you gotta figure that out. Um, anyways, they are liars through and through. And they are masters of double talk. And they will intimidate lesser creatures, um, but they will subtly manipulate other dragons if they have to communicate with them. So they are this is this is kind of the bread and butter of a green dragon is that they use misdirection and trickery to get what they want. Um, and they are willing uh, to kind of intimidate and scare creatures into servitude or uh, kind of parlay and make a deal with said creatures. Um, they're masters of double talk. And so they're kind of like saying one thing, but really they mean this other thing and it's hard to kind of figure out. They have great deception modifiers, great uh, persuasion modifiers. Um, Adult Green Dragon has a plus eight in both. So they are very, very good at getting what they want out of somebody by just talking with them. So play that up, play that up. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, They attack without provocation. Um, if they are not provoked, they might still just attack you. Uh, there is a couple reasons. One, if they feel that there's a threat. If there's a threat in their territory, uh, they will try and subdue it. Um, if it is a sentient creature, they will instead do it to try and subdue them. And bring them into their fold of of like living treasures, right? So, we're going to talk really quickly. All, green dra- all dragons have a specific type of treasure. Green dragons... Their favorite treasures are sentient creatures that it has bent to his will. Um, they love popular heroes, well-known sages, bards, um, things like that, or creatures like that that they want to contort and and corrupt into their vision that they will begin to serve, um, they'll begin to serve them. Uh, they also accept the servitude of sentient creatures, goblins, uh, eddercaps, edikins, kobolds, orcs, Yuanti and they delight in corrupting and bending creatures to their wills especially elves dude elves what are you guys doing oh my gosh uh they will oftentimes rack fear within the minions minds to the point of insanity and um often verbatim the quote within page 95 of the monster manual um, a green dragon sometimes racks its minions minds with fear to the point of insanity with the fog that spreads throughout the forest reflecting those minions tortured dreams dude these guys are freaky I mean, yeah, they're they're supposed to be freaky. They they are incredibly powerful creatures. So yeah, they're freaky. Um, play it up. Play it up as you're running these creatures. They are absolutely going to try and corrupt the party. They're gonna try and, and take advantage of the party, they're gonna try and bring him to the dark side. If they do attack the party, they will never slay all of them. They will leave survivors. Um, and they'll use intimidation to just dis- to establish control over the survivor. and'll use it to learn about other creatures active near its territory um, and about any treasure to be found nearby. A treasure a green dragon can uh, its prisoners can be ransomed, but unless they are ransomed, they have to prove their worth daily to the green dragon or they will die. Um, very sad, very, very brutal but they are manipulative. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that. They're willy and, uh, s- willy, wily and subtle creatures. Uh, a green dragon bends other creatures to its will by assessing and playing off their deepest desires. Uh, any creature foolish enough to attempt to subdue a green dragon eventually, eventually realizes that the creature is only pretending to serve while it assesses its would-be master. While manipulating other creatures, green dragons are honey-tongued, smooth and sophisticated. Among their own kind, they're loud, crass, and rude, especially when dealing with other dragons of the same age and status. They are, goodness, Um, the green dragons sometimes clash with other dragons. So again, they're loud and crass. And so maybe there's a conflict of territory or whatever. Um, a A green dragon will typically pretend to back down, only to wait and watch, sometimes for decades before the chance to slay the other dragon and claim it's Horde. So uh, the living, the, the Horde that it kind of seeks most beyond uh, sentient creatures that it has kind of contorted to its own will. Um, it loves emeralds, wood carvings, musical instruments, and sculptures of humanoid subjects. So very, they're brutal. These, these guys are really, really brutal. Um let's talk their lair really quick, then we'll get into an adult green dragon's stat block for running it in combat. Um the forest loving green dragons sometimes compete with for territory with black dragons in marshy woods and white dragons in a sub-arctic taiga. However, a forest controlled by a green dragon is easy to spot. A perpetual fog hangs in the air and um a larger green dragon uh the wood itself carries this acrid whiff of the creature's poisonous breath uh moss covered trees glow- grow close together except where winding paths trace their way like a maze into the heart of the forest the light that reaches uh the forest floor carries an emerald green cast and every sound seems muffled as the party walks um, at the center of the forest, the green dragon chooses either a cave and a sheer cliff or a hillside for its lair, preferring an entrance hidden from prying eyes. Some seek out cave mouths concealed by, behind waterfalls or partially submerged caverns that could be accessed through lakes or streams. Others concealed by entrances to the lairs with vegetation. Um, adult green dragons are amphibious, or all dragons, are all green dragons are amphibious, so they can breathe in air or in water. And so having that in their lair is not going to bother them at all. Let's talk about lair actions um, that the lair might have whenever you're running a green dragon. There's three things. Uh, I'm going to talk about them very briefly. One of them is that there's these, again, lair actions happen on initiative 20 um, whenever you're running a green dragon while it's in its lair. One of them is that grasping roots will erupt in a radius and try and grapple creatures. They need to make a saving throw. Um, and if they fail, they become restrained, um, and them or a creature can use their action to try and pull themselves out of it. The next one is that there are these walls of tangled, uh, bristling brush with a lot of thorns spring upwards into existence, uh, and they can, a creature that's caught in it takes a ton of damage, it's a deck save, um, they can choose to try and move through it, but it takes a lot of movement speed, and they take a lot of damage for moving through it. Um, you can also cut these down, uh, they have resistance to bludgeoning, piercing. They have resistance to bludgeoning and piercing damage, uh, immunity to psychic damage, but vulnerability to fire damage. And so, it's kind of like uh, if I just threw up a wall of thorns right in front of you to try and like separate people from their the rest of their team, watching in horror as the rest of their party gets mauled by this green dragon, right? And then lastly, uh, a magical fog that billows around a creature. Um, The creature makes a saving throw, and if they fail, they become charmed by the dragon um, for one round. So the dragon can kind of pull people temporarily to their side, right? So very neat, very cool. Uh, Let's talk about the regional effects around a green dragon's lair. So this is around a couple miles within uh, or near their lair. Uh, Number one is that a thicket forms uh, like these labyrinth-esque passages um, within a mile of the dragon's lair. That make it difficult to move through you can move through them um, at the cost that it takes uh, it takes it hurts (laughs) it's a lot of it's a lot of damage Um, it's one foot for every four. it's it's four feet of movement for every one foot you need to travel through it and a creature takes damage every time they try and start their turn there or they're trying to move through it you can still cut these down um, but it's rather difficult another thing is that rodents and birds within one mile of the dragon's lair serve as the dragon's eyes and ears um deer and other large game are strangely absent hinting at the presence of an unnaturally large predator mm, i wonder who that is and then lastly that the within one mile of the dragon's lair the dragon leaves no physical evidence of its passage unless it wishes to tracking it is impossible except by magical means in addition it ignores movement impediments and damage from plants in the area that are neither magical nor creatures uh, including the thickets described above which i'm talking about the thickets that If you move through, you take damage. Um, The plants remove themselves from the dragon's path. So if the dragon is kind of walking through, the plants will actually lean out of the way of the dragon, knowing that if they get get caught, they might get stomped out. So these dragons have a really decent amount of control over their region. A little bit closer, a little bit tighter knit. Let's talk about their stat blocks. Here's the thing, guys. All dragons kind of feel like they have a very similar stat block. When we're looking at the adult dragon, they all have frightful presence, they all have their melee attacks, they all have their breath, they all have their legendary actions, their legendary resistances, and that really feels like it's it. So we're gonna do we're gonna break down each of these, and then we have a surprise at the end for our homebrew stat blocks page that we have. Um, on our instagram but we'll take a look at that in a second for now let's take a look at the adult green dragon 19 armor class 207 hp these boys are tough these guys are really really tough um they have they have um saving throws and dexterity constitution wisdom and charisma they have deception insight perception persuasion and stealth as their skills so again they're stalking the party they're learning about the party they're their glaring eyes can be seen off in the distance as the party takes their long rest again they're trying to instill fear within the party right um initiatives rolled and what is this guy gonna do the first thing he uses is definitely his um molt uh poisonous breath if he can catch multiple creatures in it it's a dc 18 constitution save and it's a cone which means it can affect a ton of creatures at once on a failure creatures take 16 D six poison damage or half as much on a save, which averages out to about 56 damage. It's not as much as other dragons. However, this one can absolutely hit more creatures. So for example, an adult blue dragon, their lightning breath is a line that deals 12 D 10. So that averages out to about 66 damage. This averages out to about 56 damage, but it has the potential to hit many, many more creatures after it uses its poison breath it gets into a position to where it can um, it can strike it's using its multi-attack and frightful presence frightful presence saving throws failures they uh, they become frightened of the dragon and that is, allows them to kind of separate out targets and attack them sequentially again their goal is to instill fear and they're not going to kill the whole party if they bring a character unconscious they're probably going to take them out because they want the party to be afraid of them Um, so just be mindful if you run this guy and you really want to be mean to your party. That's what, that's what this character, that's what this dragon would do. They knock a character unconscious and they eat them. And the party's like, what? No. And then he does that to three more people and he leaves two alive. And he says, I'm going to kill you if you do not work for me. And then they say, oh, well, we'll die standing. Well, that's what they're going to, that's what's going to happen. Right. Or they say, okay, okay. And you And they become controlled by the dragon, you know? So the adult green dragon is going to try and target out creatures and knock them down and take them out. And then he's going to leave survivors to try and instill fear into, intimidate, and then eventually control for his own purposes and his own gain. Again, dragons are evil creatures. And there's... Not really much room for mercy when it comes to them. So don't try and don't try and dilly-dally. Oh, he might be really nice to the party. Uh, who knows? We'll see. You guys can control that up in your games. But again, they're deceivers. They are manipulators. And they may not even start by, by fighting. What they may start out as is they may start by saying, you all have wandered into my lair. And remember, very honey-tongued, very smooth and sophisticated. You all have meandered into my lair. And I don't want you here. Perhaps we could make an arrangement. And they can parlay with the party maybe. Um, don't just have the green dragon roll initiative and roar and fight. That's not how that dragon works. They are smooth and intelligent. They're very intelligent. In fact, that's their highest mental stat versus other dragons which have a charisma as their highest mental stat. This is the This is the true, like this is a very intelligent dragon. So make sure you're running it as such. Let's talk red dragons, man. If there is ever a creature that is the most like stereotypical creature of D&D, it would be the red dragon. It's on the cover. Dungeons and dragons. It's a red dragon. Um, In older editions, red dragon. They are the most covetous of true dragons. And, dra- and red dragons seek tirelessly to increase their treasure hoards. They are exceptionally vain, even for dragons, and their conceit is reflected in their proud bearing and their disdain for other creatures. The odor of sulfur in, um, is, surrounds a red dragon, uh, whose swept back horns and spinal frill define its silhouette. Its beaked snout vents smoke at all times, and its eyes dance with a flame when it is angry. Its wings are the longest of any chromatic dragon, and they have a black-blue tint among the trailing edge that resembles metal burned blue by fire. The scales of a a dragon wormling are bright, glossy scarlet, turning a dull, deeper red and becoming as thick and as strong as metal as the dragon ages. Its its pupils also fade as it ages, and the oldest red dragons have eyes that resemble molten lava orbs. That's dope. That's so tight. That is so, so cool. I love these dragons. Red dragons prefer mountainous terrain, badlands, and any other um, locale where they can perch high and survey their domain. Their preference for mountaintops or mountains brings them into conflict with hill-dwelling copper dragons from time to time. So that's a silver, or that's that's a um, um, metallic dragon. So chromatic dragons are evil-lined in. metallic dragons are considered good aligned dragons that try and, you know, protect the world and stuff like that. But we're talking about the cool dragons, the evil dragons, right? So they are arrogant. They are the most arrogant of all um. Dragons. No other dragon comes close to the arrogance of a red dragon. These creatures see themselves as kings and emperors and view the rest of dragonkind as inferior to themselves. Believing that they are chosen by Tiamat to rule in her name, red dragons consider the world and every creature in it theirs to command. They fly into destructive rages and act on impulse when angered. They are so ferocious and vengeful that they are that they are regarded as the archetypal evil dragon by many cultures. When you think of an evil dragon, you think of a red dragon. They are evil. Um, they are fiercely territorial and isolationists. However, they yearn to know about events in the wild, wider world, and they will, they will make use of lesser creatures as, as informants, messengers, and spies. They are the most invest, or interested in news about other red dragons, uh, which they compete constantly with for status. Um When it requires servants, a red dragon demands fealty from chaotic evil humanoids. If legion isn't forthcoming, it slaughters a tribe's leaders and claims lordship over the survivors. Creatures serving a red dragon live in constant terror of being roasted and eaten for displeasing it. They spend most of their time fawning over the creature in an attempt to stay alive, saying, I love you. No, you're amazing, dragon. No, that was totally fine. That was amazing. That was so awesome, the way that you just killed my best friend. No, that was great. Yeah, so they're evil red dragons value wealth above all else and their treasure hoards are legendary they covet anything of monetary value and can often judge the worth of a bauble to within a copper piece at a glance the red dragon uh is it is it has a special affection for tr- uh for treasure claimed from powerful creatures it has slain um exhibiting that treasure to prove its superiority so it kind of shows off like yeah i got this vorpal sword off of a head that i killed super easily before it could even land a hit on me you know how it is a red dragon knows the value and um, importance of every item in its hoard, along with the item's exact location It would notice the absence of a single coin igniting its rage as it tracks down and slays the thief without mercy. If the thief cannot be found, the dragon goes on a rampage, laying waste to the towns and villages in an attempt to sate its wrath. These guys are bonkers. Let's talk their layers. Uh, They oftentimes will go into high mountains or hills um, dwelling in caverns under snow capped peaks or within deep halls of abandoned mines and dwarven strongholds caves with volcanic or geothermal activity are the most highly prized dragon layers uh, creating hazards that uh, hinder intruders and letting searing heat and volcanic uh, gases wash over the dragon while it sleeps Um, with it, with its horde well protected deep within the lair, a red dragon spends much of its time outside the mountain as in it. It spends its, its equal through and through. Um, for a red dragon, the great heights of the world are the throne from which you can look out to survey all it controls and the wider world it seeks to control. They, uh, They, again, very covetous and they seek and long to take control over the land. That it sees within its immediate area. They want. They believe that they are the innate rulers of this world. Um, throughout the lair, um, there are servants erect monuments to the dragon's power, telling grim stories of its life and the enemies it has slain, and the nations it has or will conquer. Let's talk its region. The regional effects of a of a uh, uh, of a dragon's lair as warped by the dragon's magic. There are small earthquakes are common within 6 miles of the lair. Water sources within 1 mile of the lair are supernaturally warm and tainted by sulfur. And uh rocky fissures within 1 mile of the dragon's lair form portals to the elemental plane of fire, allowing uh elemental fire creatures to dwell nearby. Um if a dragon dies, the effects fade over the course of 1d10 days. Um, so eventually that will dull and dwindle and z- uh, zip out as a dragon perishes. Let's talk its lair actions. On initiative 20, whenever the dragon fights in its lair, it has each of these following effects it can do once a turn. Uh, a magma um, geyser erupts. Um, a creature must make must, must make a saving throw or take uh, 21 fire damage or 66 fire damage or half as much on a save. Uh, another one is that a, like a tremor, like an uh, earthquake, briefly happens and it can uh creatures must make a saving throw within 60 foot around the dragon um, 60 foot radius around the dragon or fall prone the last is that um there is a uh, volcanic gases that create um an, an an obscured area and creatures caught in this cloud of gas must make a saving throw or become poisoned until the end of its next turn um so very brutal very brutal a lot of really cool uh, effects in its lair. Let's talk adult red dragons and their stat blocks. 19 armor class, 256 HP, and they are um, they're tough, bro. These guys are tough. They have a uh, plus 13 in their perception and a plus 6 in stealth. They have a high dexterity, constitution, wisdom, and charisma saving throws, um, and they are tough. Again, just like I've been saying they they have a very similar stat block to every other dragon the only thing that changes is its fire breath and the breath weapon it has but the rest of it pretty much stays the same but let's still let's still talk let's still break it down first thing it uses is its fire breath it's a 60 foot cone dc 21 dexterity saving throw on a failure creatures take 18 d6 fire damage or half as much on a success that's a lot of damage as soon as that happens it leaps into combat frightful presence bite claw tail um you know how it is. Uh, their bite attack also deals um, uh, additional two d six fire damage on top of the two d ten plus eight piercing damage. So its bite does a lot of damage. So just be keeping a just be keeping an eye on that. You know these 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 guys are tough. Uh, they do a lot of damage. Frightful Presence separating and uh, making creatures frightened of it. It's going to go in. And remember, this thing rampages. So it's doing several attacks against multiple creatures. It's trying to deal as much carnage as possible while it fights. Um, it's trying to show off its true power. Um, and if the, if the if a creature is moving towards its horde, it will probably target that creature to protect its uh, wealth and its treasure. They are the most arrogant and most controlling of all the dragons and so uh while they don't necessarily have a lot of followers uh they are very powerful and they don't necessarily need them so play it up in your games about how um how how evil this dragon is dude these dragons are evil but enough about those enough about those red dragons you know what i'm talking about we're going into white dragons and there may, and this may seem a little weird, but I think there's a lot more untapped potential with a white dragon than the rest of dragons, and not for the reason that you think. But let's go ahead, let's dive on into it. So, white dragons are the smallest, least intelligent, and most animalistic of the chromatic dragons, and I mean that very seriously. An ancient white dragon, the 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 oldest and most powerful of them, has an intelligence modifier of ten of 10 uh, not not a plus 10 sorry that has an intelligence score of 10 and a modifier of plus zero and it only goes down as they get younger adult white dragons have a minus one uh young white dragons have a minus two and a wormling has a minus three that's ridiculous the the adult red dragon is born with a plus one in its intelligence <laughs> it's it's ridiculous these guys are not incredibly intelligent but they're animalistic a white dragon has feral eyes a sleek profile and a spined crest the scales of a wormling white dragon glisten pure white and as the dragon ages its sheen disappears and some of its scales begin to darken kind of uh, creating patches of pale blue and light gray the patterning helps the dragon blend in um, to the snow and ice that it likes to find itself in and as it as it flies up in the sky it's hard to detect it over the white clouds and blue sky uh, while uh, white dragons lack cunning and tactics uh, that most other dragons have, they are the best hunters among dragon kind due to their bestial nature. They are, they are singularly focused on surviving and slaughtering their enemies. A white dragon consumes only food that has been frozen, devouring creatures killed by its breath weapon while they are still stiff and frigid in cases, other kills in ice and buries them in snow near its lair. Um, kind of making it a good um, indication that a white dragon is nearby as you see people frozen in the snow kind of trapped there within the ice Um, a white dragon keeps the bodies of its greatest enemies as trophies freezing corpses where it can look upon them and gloat and the dragons um, the remains of giants and other dragons are often positioned prominently where white dragon's lair is as warnings to intruders they aren't necessarily very intelligent but untapped potential starting right here is that they have extraordinary memories. They can recall every slight and defeat. And they have been known to conduct malicious vendettas against creatures that have been, uh, that have offended them. This includes silver dragons, which lair is about the same as a white dragon. White dragons can speak, uh, to uh, as, all dracon- as all dragons can, but it rarely talks unless moved to do so. So they kind of are just animalistic predators that roam around in their regions taking out creatures and stronger and stronger creatures. They're very powerful hunters. Uh, they are avoid, though, they avoid all types of dragons um, unless it is a, a white dragon of the opposite sex in which it will mate with and then leave as soon as the as soon as a wormling is born it it dips it's like all right well we had our fun deuces right but beyond that white dragons are traditionally uh alone they don't really like to abide with other creatures um and they really don't enjoy whenever there are rivals near their lairs and they'll attack without um, being provoked viewing such creatures as either too weak or too powerful to live The only creatures that typically serve a white dragon are intelligent humanoids that demonstrate enough strength to kind of, you know, like stave, like stave off the dragon's wrath. And they can put up with sustaining regular losses as a result of its hunger. Uh, This includes dragon worshiping kobolds who are commonly found in their lairs. Powerful creatures can sometimes gain a white dragon's obedience through a demonstration of physical or magical might. Frost giants challenge white dragons to to prove their strength and improve their status in their clans and their cracked bones litter many a white dragon's lair. However, a white dragon defeated by the frost by a frost giant often becomes its servant, accepting the mastery of a superior creature in exchange for asserting its own domination over the other creatures that serve or oppose the giant. Do you know what that means? That means that there are strong enough frost giants that can tame a white dragon. What? <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's awesome. That is so cool. And you know what? The monster manual has nothing to build on it. When you look at a frost giant stat block, it is pitifully under underfilled. It has a multi attack, a great axe, and it has a rock that it can throw. And that's it. That's all that that sucker can do. But that's missing out on one of the coolest things that, the, that this monster manual talks about is that a white dragon, if defeated by a frost giant, will become a servant to the frost giant, which means that there are frost giants powerful enough to subdue white dragons. And so... Um, What we're going to do is we're going to finish off the lair actions and the lair and all that stuff for the white dragon. Talk about its stat block. And then I'm going to be revealing the uh, newest addition to the homebrew stat blocks Google document. You can find that on our Instagram page um, where we weekly upload it with new update it with new stat blocks that we talk about in our episodes. Uh, Last week we had a new skeleton hollow squire that was included. Um, And this week we have a frost giant dragon tamer. Um, That is available for you guys to use in your D&D campaigns as you wish. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, let's finish off with white dragons and we'll talk about this dragon tamer in a moment. So white dragons love the cold sparkle of ice and favor treasure with similar qualities, particularly diamonds. However, in their remote Arctic climates, the treasure hoards of a white dragon more often contain walrus and mammoth tusk ivory, whale bone sculptures, figureheads from ships, furs, and magic items seized from uh, overly bold adventurers. Loose coins and gems are spread across a white dragon's lair, glittering like stars when the light strikes them. Larger uh, treasures and chests are encased uh, in layers of rhyme created by the white dragon's breath and held safe beneath, beneath layers of transparent ice the dragon's great strength allows it to easily access its wealth while lesser creatures must spend hours chipping away or melting the ice to reach the dragon's main hoard a white dragon's flawless memory means that it know that it knows how it came into how it came to possess every coin, gem, and magic item in its hoard, and it associates each item with a specific victory. White dragons are notoriously difficult to bribe since any offers of treasure are seen as an insult to their ability to simply slay the creature, making the offer, and seize the treasure on their own. <clears throat> so because of their perfect memories, also I would really kind of argue this, that if, you're, if your players steal a single gold coin, kind of like the red dragon. If they steal a single gold coin and that white dragon comes in and they notice it, they're going to freak out and go on an absolute rampage, trying to find hunt and kill whoever had taken its uh, treasure. Let's talk about their lairs. White dragons lairs are icy caves uh, and deep subterranean chambers far from the sun. Uh, they favor high mountain, um, like veils accessed only by flying caverns and cliff faces and labyrinth uh, ice caves and glaciers Uh, white dragons love vertical heights in their caverns flying up to the ceiling to latch on like bats uh, or slithering down icy crevices a a white dragon's uh, innate magic uh, deepens the cold around the air we'll talk about their uh, regional effects right now a chilly fog lightly obscures the land six miles between uh of a dragon's lair Freezing precipitation falls within six miles of the dragon's lair, sometimes forming blizzard conditions when the dragon is at rest. And lastly, icy walls block off uh, areas in the dragon's lair. Um, Each wall is six inches thick, uh, has vulnerability to fire damage, and certain damages don't affect it. Um, If the dragon wishes to move through one of these walls, it can do so without slowing down. It does destroy that portion of the wall. So there's these thick ice walls that kind of... um, separate parts of the um, lair to kind of make it difficult for adventurers to maneuver, but he's just fine. Let's talk about the lair actions that a white dragon has. They have, uh, the first one is a freezing fog that fills a 20-foot radius. Uh, Creatures in it must make a saving throw or they take a lot of cold damage. Um, A fast wind will disperse the fog. Um, Jagged ice will fall from the ceiling and the dragon makes ranged attacks. Against these jagged ice shards that fall. uh, Dealing piercing damage. And the last one is that. uh, The dragon can create these solid walls of ice. That separate the party and split them up. Because he is a hunter. And because he is a. um, Because uh, white dragons are traditionally very animalistic. There is not a lot of tactics. That goes into how a white dragon attacks. However they are very. um, Very perceptive and they have a lot of, um, the, the way that their layers are designed is that they have a lot of ways that they can get out and around and ambush the party. So again, large, large heights, lots of icy crevices that it can slip through, um, and it's going to be definitely taking advantage of all of that. Let's talk about their adult white dragon stat block. They have 200 HP, 18 armor class. They have a plus 11 in perception. Goodness. They have a plus 5 in stealth. Um, they have an ability called Ice Walk where it can move across and climb icy surfaces without with surfaces without needing to make an, any ability check. And difficult terrain composed of ice or snow does not cost us extra movement. So definitely some of the spots in your uh, lair might have some parts that, you know, it's slippery to move on. Or if you want to climb, it takes an ability check. The Adult Wild Dragon doesn't have to worry about that at all. Um, it's Cold Breath is a 60-foot cone DC-19 constitution save or taking 12d8 or about 54 damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. And then, of course, on its subsequent turns, it is attacking targets, and uh, it's not necessarily singling them out. It is more so simply uh, attacking in a rampage or in in an animalistic craze trying to eliminate foes Uh, Frightful Presence to separate targets and then going in with Bite, Claw, and Tail to try and take out its targets. Now, like we said before, somehow this powerful, powerful dragon is able to be defeated by a Frost Giant and can be subdued into, uh, into cooperating with this Frost Giant. But we look at the stat blocks for Frost Giants... They have no such abilities that would ever make it close to where they could defeat a dragon. So, this stat block on our um, Google, the Google Doc stat block that we have for homebrew, uh, homebrew creatures that we make every week for our Monster Manager episodes. Today we have the Frost Giant Dragon Tamer. So let's read about him. When a white dragon is defeated in a trial of combat by a frost giant there is a chance it can be claimed and tamed by the frost giant. able to be subdued and coerced into cooperating with the frost giant so long as the dragon can dominate the foes of the frost giant it now serves. The folks who live in such tundras where dragons and giants roam know that there is nothing scarier than a dragon until they saw a dragon being commanded by a frost giant. The frost giant dragon tamer has 14 armor class, 207 HP, Its premier uh, stats is its strength with a plus seven and a a constitution modifier with a plus nine. Um, It has a proficiency bonus of plus five, uh, or plus, sorry, plus four, my apologies. Um, Let's talk about some of its abilities. First of all, regular dragons can only, uh, regular giants can only speak giant. This can speak draconic and giant as it has learned the language of the dragon so that it can communicate with it and command it. Um, It has an ability called thrill of the hunt. When a Frost Giant Dragon Tamer reduces a creature to zero HP or deals a critical hit against a creature, the dragon under its control can use a reaction to make a melee attack against a creature within the melee range of a Frost Giant Dragon Tamer. So their combat style of the Frost Giant and the White Dragon working together is they kind of stick side by side fighting alongside one another. Um, As the dragon tamer fights, it can use its bonus action to use the ability called draconic commander, where it can use its bonus action to direct and give commands to the dragon under its control. If they do not give a command to the dragon under its control, the dragon will act on its own accord, defending itself and going after creatures hostile to the frost giant dragon tamer. It also has an ability called Dragon Shield. As a reaction to being hit by a ranged or melee weapon, the frost giant can use its reaction if they are within 10 feet of the tame dragon to force the attack to hit the dragon instead of them. Very selfish, very, very selfish. Doing so means that they cannot use their draconic commander ability until the dragon has finished its next turn. Basically saying, like kind of grabbing the dragon and putting it in front of itself to block the attack. Uh, the dragon's pissed (laughs) obviously dragon doesn't like that so the dragon is no longer able to be controlled by the frost giant until the beginning or until the end of its next turn um the frost giant also has its abilities it has a multi-attack with its great axe plus 11 to hit deals um i believe i did that right yeah it deals uh 3d 12 plus 7 slashing damage or about 26 damage goodness or it has a rock which it has a plus eleven to hit, range of sixty feet, long range two hundred and forty feet, where it deals twenty nine damage on average, four d ten plus seven, um, absolutely ridiculous damage from this frost giant dragon tamer, and so throw that in your throw that in your games, um, have a really really powerful frost giant take control of a dragon, and the two of them can lay waste to a lot (laughs) that's a lot of hp to chew through and it's a lot of attacks to deal with and it is an awesome awesome time for your DD campaigns but with that out of the way that is going to be all for today's episode of monster manager thank you so much for listening to the wizard apprentice podcast follow us on instagram where you can find this um, homebrew stat block page uh, where we weekly update it with new monsters for your games and for you to use Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys next time.